Good morning. I want to uh, invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. It is good to be with you here on this Lord's Day as we remember the persecuted. Just as a little disclaimer, it'll be a little different this morning and different can be good. Um, You know, brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world, many of them are huddled in places secretly. They don't have technology to look at Bible verses on the screen or anything like that. And we'll be covering a lot of ground in the scripture this morning. You won't have time to go to all of those places. And I've chosen not to put all of those places on the screen. And so today, listen with your hearts. And as you take notes on your sermon outline in your bulletin, feel free to write those references that you hear. And go back and look at them later. As you've already seen, Christian persecution is a reality in the world in which we live today. The symbol that you see overhead on the screen and there in your sermon outline is the Arabic letter for in or nun in in Arabic. And it is being put on the homes of Christians in the Middle East as Islamic State stormed parts of Iraq and Syria. They would paint that letter on the side of the homes of Christians. Now, that was a warning. It was meant to be a warning. Four things they could do. Renounce Jesus and worship Allah. They could leave their homes. They could pay a Muslim tax. Or they could be killed. Ironically, that letter has become a symbol that's been embraced by Christians all over the world. You see, the reason they chose this letter that stands for N is because it stood for the Nazarene, our Lord Jesus. These are the followers of the Nazarene that they were marking out. And what they meant for evil has become a huge badge of honor because our identity is found in Jesus Christ. Now, this may have caught the world off guard, what's been going on in the Middle East lately, but surely it didn't catch our Lord Jesus off guard. In Matthew chapter 5, you can look there with me, verses 10 through 12, he told us, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, according to these verses, Christian persecution happens anywhere that Christians exist. Persecution comes in many forms. Exile from home, isolation, starvation, torture, and ultimately death for some. Jesus also says that your faith will result in insults here and people saying false things about you, evil against you. And he classifies that as persecution as well, and oftentimes that goes overlooked. Maybe you've never been tortured for your faith, but surely if you live open about your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have been insulted or slandered either to your face or behind your back. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It will happen. But just as Jesus said there in Matthew 5 verse 11, they do this. Why? Because of him. And that is why Islamic State identifies us all as Nazarenes. This hatred of the world towards Christians is actually a hatred towards Jesus himself, period. 
Now, it's my hope that by the end of this service that you and I will remember several things when either us or we hear the stories of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world being persecuted. When we are facing that, we need to remember these things. And the first thing I want you to remember is this. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. The Apostle Paul says these words, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not in prison. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain salvation, and with it, eternal glory. Now, Paul is writing those very words to Timothy and to the church at large, from a dungeon where he is facing execution and will ultimately be beheaded. How does he sit in such a place with bold confidence, knowing that his suffering will lead ultimately to glory? He remembers Jesus Christ. I'm sure that Paul remembered what Jesus said to his disciples shortly before he went to the cross. John 15, 18 through 21. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do for my name's sake, Jesus says, because they do not know the one who sent me. Paul remembered the words that Jesus said to his disciples before he went to the cross. But I know he also had to remember how Jesus endured the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. The writer there says, Fixing your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him, remember him, who has endured such hostility, hostilities by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Paul would have remembered how Jesus endured the cross. Now remember back in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus told us there to, be, to rejoice and to be glad when we are persecuted. Now, how in the world can we do that? Well, Jesus there in that passage that should be in front of you, he points to a motivation. He points to a motivation. He says there that there is a future heavenly reward as a motivator. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. So Hebrews 12, 2 then tells us how Jesus endured the cross and how he despised the shame. How did he do it? For the joy set before him. He saw what was coming beyond the suffering. That's why the writer of Hebrews tells us in the beginning there to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Remember Jesus. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.23, While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Then Jesus says in Matthew 5.44, But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then Jesus does what Jesus does. And he practices what he preaches in Luke 23, 34. And he prays this from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Paul surely remembered how Jesus endured the cross. 
in the context of his own suffering. And ultimately, he remembered the triumph of the resurrection and what that means for every believer. Second, we not only remember Jesus Christ, but we are to remember the cloud of witnesses. The cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 11, chapter 11 through chapter 12, verse 1. And we're not going to read that entire chapter to make this point, but Hebrews 11 captures the stories of men and women who endured suffering and their faith speaks to us today. Now, it starts with the triumphant faith of Abel, the third son of Adam and Eve, and later on we get to verse 24 and we see the persecution of Moses. And he endured by faith, and we're going to see the reason he endured. In Hebrews 11, verse 24, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And then then we see Moses' motivation. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. Moving ahead in verses 35 through 38. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, and they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy." wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And then we jump ahead three verses in chapter 12, verse 1. In light of what you've just heard about the witnesses whose faith speak to us, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. When you face persecution, whether it comes physical harm or insults, remember the cloud of witnesses. Now, these aren't witnesses in the sense that they all are in heaven observing you, but these are witnesses who witness like we do. With our words, we witness, and with our lifestyle, we witness. Their faith speaks to us. It testifies to us that the reward in the end is worth it. Their suffering proves to us the immeasurable value of trusting God, his promises, and ultimately his Messiah, Jesus Christ. We look back to those who have followed Christ before us and have walked the road of suffering and counted the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt. Remember Peter and the apostles who were arrested in Acts chapter 5. They were commanded to stop preaching about Christ, but they would not obey. In verses 40 through 42, Luke tells us that the leaders flogged them. That's 39 lashes to their back. And ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, get this, rejoicing that they have been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. How in the world did they rejoice after something like that? Peter and the apostles remembered Jesus Christ. Remember Stephen, the first Christian martyr, who in Acts 7, verse 58, when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice so everybody could hear, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. 
Having said this, he fell asleep. How did Stephen even think about praying for his enemies as his body was being pelted by stones? He remembered Jesus Christ. Remember Paul and Silas in Acts 16 and verses 22 through 25. We read that the crowd rose up together against them and the chief magistrates tore the robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison, the lowest prison, and fastened their feet in the stocks. These stocks are not just locks and chains, as you might imagine, but they're an actual torture device used to spread the prisoner's legs as far apart to induce severe cramping and pain. But about midnight, Scripture says, Paul and Silas, get this, were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. How did Paul and Silas even consider singing and praising God while their feet were fastened in these stocks and their backs had been severely beaten? How did they turn persecution to praise? Again, they remembered Jesus Christ. All of the apostles endured persecution and ultimately death for the sake of Christ. I'll give you a few of them right here. James, Acts 12.2 tells us that King Herod had him put to death with the sword. This is likely a reference to him being beheaded. And then the deaths of all the others are merely church history and tradition, but that's what we have. Peter is said to be crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross because he didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified as his Lord Jesus was. Matthew died in Ethiopia by a sword wound. John, tradition states that he was boiled in a huge basin of oil during a wave of persecution in Rome, but was miraculously delivered from death. And then he was exiled to the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. Later he was freed and returned to what is now modern-day Turkey and died as an old man, the only apostle to die peacefully. Nathaniel was a missionary to Asia. He witnessed in present-day Turkey and was martyred for his preaching in Armenia, being flayed to death by a whip. Andrew crucified on an X-shaped cross in Greece. After being whipped severely by seven soldiers, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when he was led toward the cross, Andrew saluted the cross with these words, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. He continued to preach to his tormentors for two days until he died. Thomas He was stabbed with a spear in India during one of his missionary trips to establish the church there. Matthias, the apostle to replace Judas Iscariot. He was stoned to death and then beheaded. Paul, he was tortured and then beheaded by the Roman Emperor Nero in Rome. Motivation, Philippians 1.21, we get an idea. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul knew that if I live, if you let me live, I live for Jesus. If you take my life away, I get to be with Jesus. Either way, I win. Then one more story that I want to share. I found this interesting. John MacArthur shares this, and this is not one of the apostles. It's actually Peter's wife. Now, she was crucified as well. According to tradition, part of Peter's torture was to actually watch his wife be crucified. And as she went to the cross, tradition states that Peter said three words to her. You can guess what those words are? 
remember the Lord. Can you hear that? Peter yelling out to his wife, sweetheart, remember the Lord. She goes to her death. When we look back to the cloud of witnesses whose faith speaks to us, we are always encouraged to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Third, remember the prisoners. Remember the prisoners. Hebrews 13.3 Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. Listen, when you have a toothache, it affects everything. When you have a migraine, it cripples all that you do. When your back goes out, it weakens your whole body. When your child has a serious injury, it hurts you. You wish you could carry their pain for them, right? Likewise, we are to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ who presently suffer for the sake of the gospel. Their suffering should affect us all according to Hebrews 13.3. They are our family. It should drive us to our knees to pray for them and their story should embolden us to stand firm in our faith here. Persecution is real today and it happens in the United States and all across the world. Street preachers are finding that their free speech is being challenged in more and more cases. A little more than a week ago, Houston's first openly openly lesbian mayor had subpoenas issued to five area pastors demanding that their sermons be turned over regarding any correspondence dealing with homosexuality, gender identity, and the city's equal rights ordinance. As of Wednesday, this last week, she withdrew those controversial subpoenas. But trust me, it's not over. Two weeks ago, city officials required two ordained ministers to perform same-sex wedding ceremonies in their chapel or face up to six months in jail and a $1,000 fine each time that they declined to wed a same-sex couple. A month ago, Oregon couple Aaron and Melissa Klein were forced to close their Sweet Cakes Bakery after declining to bake a wedding cake for a lesbian marriage ceremony and are now facing the threat of having to pay $150,000 in damages. The list goes on. Hobby Lobby, stuff about Tim Tebow, we see it in our own country. But outside of our country, currently, we see a lot with the Islamic State. They are crucifying Christians. They are beheading them. They are exiling them from their homes. city of Mosul is one of the history's longest-lasting churches since the early church and is totally absent of Christians now. And they're sexually abusing Christians there, too. North Korea, the worst human rights violator on the planet, they starve Christians to the point of death that Christians are noted to be eating tree bark, leaves, digging through their animal feces to find food. Christian men, women, and even their little children are sentenced indefinitely to hard prison labor camps there. It was said that I I met a a man who escaped North Korea uh, years ago. He talked about how the leader then was, I believe, Kim Jong-il had outlawed public execution of Christians Because Christians died well. As they died, they looked to heaven. And so people were no longer able to look to heaven. And they did not want people to see them die because it inspired others. People to see them die with hope. We must remember the prisoners. Last, but certainly not the least, God himself will remember the persecuted. 
God will remember the persecuted church. The book of Revelation puts a stamp on that fact. Revelation 6, 9 through 11, when the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell in the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. Revelation 16, 5 through 6. And I heard the angel of the water say, Righteous are you who are and who were, O holy one, because you judged these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. Revelation 16, 19. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered. Listen, God's gonna remember the persecuted and he's also gonna remember those who persecute them. That great city was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. Revelation 17, 6, and I saw the woman who is Babylon the great drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And then Revelation 18, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues for her sins have piled up as high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets because God has pronounced judgment for you against her and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all who have been slain on the earth. Wrath is coming. The justice of God will be served. For some, they will experience this justice when they die and they face the furious wrath of God Almighty. Others will experience God's justice in this life and the next, but be assured that no one will escape the great white throne judgment. Mothers, if somebody messes with one of your children, does not the mama bear come out? Men, husbands, if someone messes with your wife, they have to mess with you. And in the same way, but magnified in purity, if you mess with the bride of Christ, you mess with God. When the Lord confronted Saul on the road to Damascus, as he was headed to persecute more Christians, he said that Saul was, Acts 26, 13, kicking against the goads. Goads were sharpened rods used for herding cattle. And so Jesus was telling him, when you kick against me, you only injure yourself. He was fighting a losing battle. And the same is true for those who persecute the church today. When they persecute the church, Jesus says, you persecute me. And when you persecute Jesus, you only injure yourself. God will remember the persecuted. James 1.12 and Revelation 2.10 tells us that they who endure faithful to the end, will receive a crown of life, and so will you if you endure to the end. Now, I thought it would be only appropriate as we talk about the persecuted church, and we talk about remembering the persecuted church, that today we would remember them through our prayers. And so what I want to invite you to do is stand where you are, and together as a church, we're going to enter into a time of corporate prayer. There are three points on your outline, but they're also going to be overhead on the screen. And I'm going to walk you through them, and I want to give you appropriate time where you're at to pray. And when we get through the third prayer request, I will close this in prayer, and we'll have a time of invitation. So our first, t- first thing that we want to focus on this morning is this. Pray for our persecuted family to be bold and courageous 
to proclaim the truth in love. I want to encourage you right now to pray for them in this way. Next, pray that they remember God's promises and they'll ultimately find strength in Christ to endure. Finally, pray that their persecutors will come to repentance and faith in Christ because of their witness. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of a special day that we can set aside to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ who are presently suffering. Thank you for their witness to us. Their faith also speaks to us. May it encourage us today to live boldly and unashamed of the gospel, to persevere to the end. Lord, I pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ as they hide wherever they are today. Lord, may they find strength to go on. May they find courage to witness. May you help their minds to recall your promises, to recall your true word. Maybe it is that they have not, do not even own a own copy of, their, of a Bible, but they've only heard the Bible. Lord, help them to remember those things. Remind them, Lord, of your very near and real presence. That Although they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, may they fear no evil because you are with them. I pray that they're their witness in Christ, their faithful endurance, their love for those who persecute, persecute them. Lord, I pray that it will ultimately heap ashes upon the heads of those who mistreat them and that you might lead their persecutors to repentance and faith in Christ. Lord, we pray that we would not so easily forget them that we would remember our Lord Jesus Christ with them as we suffer. 
as we endure ill treatment, that we will remember our Lord. He has paved the way and he has gone before us. And that like him, that we would endure the cross and despise its shame for the joy set before us. So that we would not grow weary and lose heart as we think about Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.